1240 WGBB Freeport. The following program is brought to you by Total Theater Online. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff or management of WGBB. You're listening to the station that serves your community, 1240 WGBB. And now it's time for Dave's Gone By with David Lefkowitz. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dave's Gone By, an hour of talk radio, music, humor, hilarity, and disparity coming to you live, not from beautiful Midtown Merrick, but from the wild woods of West Babylon. I can see tumbleweeds outside the control room, ladies and gentlemen. There's actually a Spanish armada trying to colonize the green room, but the Chinese are holding their own. There's also a guy in a spacesuit jumping up and down in slow motion outside the dairy barn. Yes, it's Terra Nova here, way out in Suffolk, with buffalo and beefalo and beefaroni all available at the local Piggly Wiggly Winn-Dixie Kmart down on Route 109 at the corner of nowhere and what is this? What this is, is my program, Dave's Gone By, a unique and inexplicable mix of talk and music, thought and expression that's been on WGBB since October 2002. And last week was darn near my last show. If you heard any of the programs during the uh, month of June, you heard me go over and over the troubles they've had at this radio station, WGBB AM 1240. There was a management change about about a boat four weeks ago. <laughs> That's a joke, folks. And chaos ensued, and it wasn't pretty, and it also pushed up a location change that was going to happen anyway, but got moved from late summer to the beginning of this month. So, last week, it was down to the bare bones at the old studio. Just walls, a couple of mics, some equipment in the control room, plus boxes of packed-up cassettes and stuff. WGBB was never a Holiday Inn, but now it looked like fumigation day at the Motel 6. And my main concern was that, for the past few weeks, since the management change, the station has had no internet streaming. Their website was down, the domain name owned by people favorable to the ousted management. So, if you go to WGBB.com, you won't find anything. It says the site is temporarily unavailable, and it has been since early June. But give management credit. They realized they had a big problem. They realized that the reach of WGBB's tower, its mast, is extremely limited. Depending on all sorts of factors, on a given evening, the signal for the radio station can either reach all the way down to parts of Connecticut or no further than Valley Stream. People in my neighborhood in Nassau County were forced to listen to the program on the internet because it was futile trying to get a decent signal on their AM radios. Finally, I started saying something about it on the air, telling people that if they were getting interference, if the sound quality was staticky and starchy and muffled and ruffled, they could pop on their computers and get it clear as a bell, if a bit lo-fi, at the station's website. And that also opened up a whole new audience for the show, because people started listening all over the country. People I knew from high school, college, prison, Japanese relocation centers, they all tuned in via the web. And suddenly that outlet, that terribly important ability to reach not 5,000 people, but 50,000, that really changed the whole outlook for the program. Made me feel a lot better about approaching sponsors, make people more likely to consider advertising, though God knows this has not been the economy to rake in ad dollars. 
But then, as I said, the web stream dried up. And I'd say that more than half my regular listening audience was left with no way to hear the program. Actually, they could have purchased cassettes of the show. Those are available on my website for like $12 a piece, or less if you buy a couple. But no, you didn't want to buy them, you cheap little so-and-sos. No, you just wanted me to send them to you. Like I made a ferrous oxide little roller wheelie thingies. Oh, sure. No problem. I'll dub you a couple of free cassettes and send them to you. No charge. And by the way, I'm eating Alpo this week. No, no. Just just kidding. I only eat Yukonoba. Moist food gives me the squirts. But seriously, it was great. And so many people contacted me and wanted to hear the shows that they were missing, wanted to know what I was up to, wanted to find out what was happening with this program. Well, things still are a little foggy. They're still up in the air. It took, uh, I took it as a real possibility that last week's show might have been the finale. My contract was up here, and renewing without web streaming was kind of like taxation without representation. All the work and none of the payoff. Well, the web stream is still down, but the folks at GBB have been acting in good faith, and there is a website. They don't own WGBB.com or WGBB.org, but that just shows you the impossibility of cornering the market on domain names because management just came up with something different. Oh, oh, and by the way, just a side note. If you get a chance to go to WGBB.org, it's this wonderful nostalgic picture site. It goes back to the days in the 1970s when GBB was a top 40 station, if you can believe it. And the pictures of behind-the-scenes stuff and promotions, parades, they just prove the old dictum, the only people who work in radio are freaks, geeks, and failed mathematicians. And I do not absent myself from that characterization. I mean, look at Howard Stern, Rush Limbaugh, Wolfman Jack, Zachary Imus, Ben Skelza, Glenn Jones. You just don't get normal-looking people doing radio. It's not a combination that works. Plus, on the GBB.org website, you get those 1970 hairstyles and back-collar shirts and neckties that are so loud and wide. Joe, you're, you have to say, how, how loud and wide are they? I'm sorry, you have to... How loud and wide are they? That's, that's Engineer Joe Selzo, ladies and gentlemen, saying how loud and wide are they. Those ties were so loud and wide, they have their own demographic. So check out WGBB.org which is not owned by WGBB, nor is WGBB.com, which, as I said, is non-operational. However, what is working on the net is AM1240WGBB.com. Catchy, ain't it? It's the whole phrase, AM1240WGBB.com. Type that little mnemonic into your browser, and you will see the radio station's brand new website. Very low-key, very tasteful, actually, although I would definitely take that line about celebrating 79 years of quality broadcasting that's on the homepage and put it in a different font. Right now, it kind of looks like a 13-year-old Chinese girl scribbled it in the margin of her notebook. But uh, the rest of the site, I'm liking what I see. They brought back the scheduled page, and as they fill that in, you can click on the name of the show and go to the program's own personal website. And the designers of AM 1240 were kind enough to already pop my show in there, unfortunately, at the old time. And unfortunately, um, I had a bit of a crash at my current website. So if you click on that, you're not going to go there. You can go to my archive page, though. That's still up and running in the right place. 
hometown.aol.com forward slash Dave's Gone By 2. Just add a little 2 after my usual website, and that's working. Anyway, but the radio station website is really just past the prototype stage. I probably shouldn't even be advertising it yet, but I'm just so encouraged that it's up. Web streaming is still a couple of weeks away, but they say they've got the DSL line, they're working on it, so I am feeling a little more sanguine about things at GBB. And as I promised, even if things don't work out here, Dave's Gone By is not going away. It might turn up on another station, or just on the internet, or in a whole concatenation of guises, but I've come too far. I've had too much fun. The show must go on. Except it won't go on next week. Well, maybe, hopefully, they'll run a repeat, but I won't be in town. I'm off to my second vacation of the summer. The first was to glorious Minnesota. Don't laugh, it was wonderful. Went to some great restaurants, saw some nifty theater, good museums. I had a blast. And next week, it's all sunshine, rapidity, artifice, and boulevards. That's right, Dave is off to La La Land, paradise with palm trees, the land that brain cells forgot. The place that put the wood back in Holly and the Santa back in Monica. I'm going to Los Angeles, California, yay. Almost a decade since I was last in L.A. Back then it was to see a play of mine done by a theater troupe in Cerritos. This time, just going to play it by ear. See some old friends, I hope. Catch a couple of shows. Dig the beaches at Santa Monica. 
and probably sweat a lot and bitch about the lack of public transportation. But hey, at least it's summer, at least it's a getaway, and Los Angeles has so many cool things to see. I mean, I know, it's a cultural wasteland, and the values are all screwed up. But if you go at it as a tourist, it's pretty neat. When I was there in the uh, mid-90s, I mean, I saw the handprints on the Walk of Fame, Man's Chinese Theater. I, I stood on the corner of Pico and Sepulveda, inspiration for the original theme song of the Dr. Demento show. You know, Pico and Sepulveda, Pico and Sepulveda, which was reworked for the show as Dr. Demento, or Dr. Anyway, and I saw the La Brea Tar Pits, which is actually just a fossil museum with some fake elephants out front, but the kitsch factor is stupendous. And this time, there's places that weren't even around when I was there last. My wife picked up a Lonely Planet pocket guide to L.A., and then there's some new tourist attractions, including the Museum of Neon Art, which may or may not be an oxymoron, the Fredericks of Hollywood Lingerie Museum, specializing in the Pantheolithic era, I guess, probably sneak off to that one when she's not around, and even better, the Museum of Death. There's actually a Museum of Death, apparently founded by a woman who scooped a suicidal jumper's brain off the sidewalk and saved it, hence beginning her impressive collection. They have artwork by John Wayne Gacy, a blood-spattered t-shirt, photos taken at an execution, an authentic electric chair, pen pal letters from serial killers, and the owners of the museum, the founders, are having a fight with their landlord. So they're vacating their location on Hollywood Boulevard at the end of July. So I'm going to get there just a couple of weeks before the sun comes up over Santa Monica Boulevard. Oh, what the hell, make it all of Santa Monica. Dave Lefkowitz here talking about my upcoming trip to Los Angeles, playing some music to go along with it, here on the Dave's Gone By show. Neil Young, from an album he still refuses to release on CD, Time Fades Away, and his musings on Los Angeles, only a Canadian would go to L.A. and find it uptight. Earlier, a more energized Matthew Sweet, exhorting people to come to California and let it all hang out, which I intend to do. I'm going to look for some goofy stuff on this trip. I might do some normal things, too, but I'm, I'm not going to do dinner at Spago's. I'm not going to eat at the Hard Rock Cafe, if there still is a Hard Rock Cafe. I sure as shooting ain't going back to Disneyland, and I'm probably not even going to do the Universal Studios tour. If I want to see a shark, I'll see a real one. I'll just go to Will Rogers State Beach, where they're having all those sightings, and find some four-year-old boy to dangle his chum. You know, it's easy. You take the kid, and you hold his legs below the, below the water line, and he's kicking and screaming and churning up the water and catching the fish's attention. Then... Just as the shark's about to attack, you hand the kid back to his parents and quickly snap the photo. I've got it down to a science, and the kids I've done this with have only lost, like, 19 toes, 6 kneecaps, and a shin, and they're happy to help. By the way, there's also, among the things I'm going to see, the Museum of Tolerance. I was there last time, I was in the city. They basically walk you through the Holocaust, bit by bit, until you come out on the other end of a gas chamber. I think they did a poll, and of all the museums in America, this one had the least visited food court. I mean, I realize they're trying to make a difference in people's perception of race, but dig some of their current... <laughs> thank you, engineer. Uh, thank you, Joe Zeldon. Um But dig some of the current exhibitions. This is true at the, uh, the Tolerance Museum. Art of the Holocaust, The Lost Children of Rwanda, 
agony in the former Yugoslavia. I mean, guys, lighten up. They did try. They tried with their most recent exhibition, Puppy Dogs on Black Velvet. Unfortunately, they were all painted by one-armed cancer victims of Chernobyl, but it was an attempt. I respect that. So, if you have any suggestions for things to do and see while I'm stumbling across the West Coast, by all means, email me. Dave's gone by at AOL.com. Do it fast, because I'm leaving in two days. Any good restaurants in the uh, Santa Monica area, or the best place to catch Wildman Fisher bathing in a public restroom, send me your best and worst L.A. recommendations, and if I end up doing them and liking them, I'll mention your name and suggestion on the air next time I'm on the air. I won't, I won't be here next week, as I said. If you want to tune in, you might hear a rerun, which would be nice, or something else. But don't panic. I just might be back the week after that. Depends on where they're at with the web streaming I was talking about at the top of the show. The time slot may also change, so do be on the lookout. I've said this uh, the past couple of weeks. The best way to know when and where Dave's Gone By is being broadcast is by going straight to the source. Email me, Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. Dave's Gone By, no apostrophe, at AOL.com. We'll put you on our email list and send out a brief, amusing reminder of where and how you can catch the next episode of this fine, fine program. And be assured, we are not using these emails for evil purposes. They're not being put into a giant spam generator so that when you check your email in the morning, you find ten different offers to enlarge your penis. Eight of which don't work, by the way. <clears throat> but seriously, the mailing list is just for this program. Just to keep in contact with our fans and well-witchers. Just to tell everyone that Dave's Gone By is alive and well and ready for broadcast somewhere, sometime. But I hear you ask yourselves, new listeners anyway, those who just tuned in and have no idea who I am or what this program is about, I hear you ask yourselves, why should I send this guy a contact email when I don't even know what his show is? Well, let me clarify. The show is Dave's Gone By, an hour of silly talk, smart talk, peculiar music, and particular points of view. Think of it as a cross between Idiot's Delight, Weekend Update, Joe Franklin, and Steve Allen. And if you don't know any of those references, you should probably be listening to K-Rock right now because there's nothing for you here. But if you remember when radio used to be nutty and homegrown and chaotic and adventurous, well, stick around for the rest of the show because we're going to have some fun. Do be advised that this program is rated DGB-13, kind of like PG-13, only without the overpriced popcorn. We don't do obscenity on the show or any breaking of community standards, but we're also not Mr. Rogers, because he's dead and probably smells really horrendous. So if you have young, if you have young children or impressionable grandparents who might blush at the occasional risque joke or politically insensitive quip, bandage them up and duct tape them to your bathtub until this program is over. Or better yet, leave them there until after the preacher at 9 o'clock. Tell them it's a sensory deprivation thing, like an MRI without the magnets. Ah, but the resonance is here. You can feel the tingle in the air. New studio, new website, new potential lease on life. Same old me, Dave Lefkowitz, radio personality, humorist, theater critic, and traveling man. And we'll travel down a couple of different paths this evening, including, of course, the news gone by, a fond farewell to comedian Buddy Hackett, and more California dreaming. So don't change that dial. The L.A. Love Fest begins only two sweet, sweet minutes from... 
I hope you're enjoying this episode of Dave's Gone By, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're thinking, this episode is alright, but that one from January 12th, oh boy, or the Christmas show, or the Australian one, or the... My God, what a panoply of entertainment I have given you. But it's all over so fast. You hear it once on the radio, and it's gone by. But not necessarily. I've got the archives, baby, and I'm going to share them. Almost every single episode of Dave's Gone By has been fully recorded and stored away, and now I'm making them available to you. Classic episodes of Dave's Gone By are now available on audio cassette for just $12 each. Relive the golden moments of the Giving Chimp, the Anima Blues, Steve the Whistler, Seamus the Urine Man, the Puff Sullivan Letter, Joey the Spastic Kangaroo, and so much more. If you don't remember which segments aired when, just check the archive page on the Dave's Gone By website, hometown.aol.com forward slash Dave's Gone By 2. Almost every episode, including the very first one, you can have ready and waiting in your tape machine for just $12 each. And if you buy two or more, only $10 each. To order, just find out the air date and then call 516-295-1511 or email by at AOL.com. We accept check or money order. The details are on the website, so give us a call, 516-295-1511, or email by at AOL.com. Hours of music, talk radio, and comedy suitable for the whole family, assuming your family is mentally unbalanced. They make a great Rosh Hashanah gift that you can repent on Yom Kippur. Classic episodes of Dave's Gone By, 516-295-1511. Get them today, day, day. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By. It's about 8.25 p.m. and time for the news gone by. A look at events of the past week from a Californicated perspective. And I have my special guest co-announcer or co... What do they call those things? Co- the co-anchor. Co-anchor. I, the word totally... Wow. Yeah, totally flew me. <laughs> Joe Salzone. Beginning the news gone by on the Middle East front. As part of the roadmap to peace, Israel has given the little town of Bethlehem back to the Palestinians. Nothing socially or politically will change in that region. However, at the annual Christmas pageant, instead of three wise men bearing gifts for the newborn king, three terrorists will throw rocks at the Christ child and then blow up the manger. Joe? In related news, American soldiers in Iraq continue to face random deadly sneak attacks from Hussein loyalists, which leads to the offensive political joke of the day, what's the difference between Iraqi rebels and the pitching staff of the New York Mets? Unlike the Mets, the Iraqis have an effective pickoff move. Dave? Tragedy in Chicago this week. Twelve people died and nearly 60 more were wounded when a porch collapsed outside an overcrowded apartment. The floor of one porch apparently gave way and came down on the one below. None of the deaths were alcohol-related, though quite a few people got smashed. On the lighter side, congratulations to Takeru Kobayashi, nicknamed Tsunami, for the third year in a row. Tsunami has won the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island. Rail thin and weighing only 145 pounds, half the size of some of his competitors, Tsunami gobbled down 44 and a half hot dogs in just 12 minutes. It was enough to win, but not enough to please Tsunami. He was upset that he didn't beat his world record of swallowing 50 wieners. Asked about that record, onlooker Harvey Firestein said, Big deal. 
I can do that without chewing. In environmental news, you've heard of acid rain? Well, Brazil has acid foam. Apparently, water from a reservoir in Sao Paulo got mixed with sewer water and industrial waste, and a clogged pipe pushed all that gunk into the streets. Now a thick layer of snow-like foam blankets the streets and has even blocked some bridges. The worst part is that the foam gives off a noxious, sulfur-filled gas that causes respiratory problems in old people. Scientists are puzzled by this, since it's usually old people who give off a sulfur-filled gas that sickens the rest of us. Joe? Thanks, Dave. In celebrity news, a new biography charges that John F. Kennedy Jr. and his wife Carolyn were already on the outs and about to break up when they took their fatal flight just four years ago. Edward Klein's new book, The Kennedy Curse, alleges that Mrs. Kennedy was tired of life in a fishbowl and turned to drugs and old boyfriends for comfort. This comes just after the news that Andrew Cuomo and Kerry Kennedy, Bobby's kid, are separating after 13 years of marriage. Rumor has it that Kerry was having various affairs. Andrew was keeping tight-lipped about that whole thing. Although, as an olive branch, he did offer to continue Kerry's weekend uh, ferry ride from Bridgeport to the Hamptons. Kerry declined, however, when she learned that Ted Kennedy would be steering. Dave. Turning to all creatures great and small and combustible... Wonderful story from the syndicated News of the Weird column published locally in the New York Post. I'm just going to read this verbatim. Animal rights activists said they were not amused by a Norwegian comedian who attached an outboard motor to a dead pig and used it as a boat. Christopher Schau and his cohorts also tried blowing up rats and hamsters with helium to make what they called organic balloons that exploded and splattered over audiences at the annual Quart Festival in Kristiansand. The comedian was unrepentant. He said, quote, If they have a problem with this, maybe they should go after the kids who play with their food. I don't know, it's funny, but borderline too malicious for my taste. I remember a couple of years ago, I did a story on a German performance artist named Wolfgang Flatz, and he's done all sorts of weird things, like dressing up a dog like Hitler and being suspended in a meat freezer like a slab of raw beef. But his most notorious performance involved filling a cow with explosives and then sending it over a stadium, detonating it, and sending showers of meat down on everybody, all the while having loudspeakers blast mooing sounds at everyone. Now, I I do think that's hysterical. They were using a dead cow, but then again, would it have been funny? As funny or funnier if it were a live cow? I've debated that one with myself, and I have to say, kids, do try this one at home. The only way we're going to find out for sure whether stuffing animals with explosives is A, art, B, comedy, C, an offense against nature, is by testing the premise repeatedly on different animals in different states of consciousness. It's just after the 4th of July, you must have some firecrackers left over, so start small. Grab yourself three stray cats, all about the same age, size, and temperament. Have the first one swallow two M80s, the second one swallow 13 Alka-Seltzers and a gallon of Pepsi, and the third one euthanize and then stop with M80s, Alka-Seltzers, and Pepsi. Grab a pack of matches, call your friends, and see how they react. If they laugh, it's comedy. If they catch mad cow disease or monkeypox from the flying debris, it's still comedy. And if they react with shock, loathing, and disgust, it's art. In obituary news, three legends of entertainment dead this week, each representing entirely different styles and, well, breeds. 
On Friday, R&B singer Barry White died of kidney failure. He was 58. Blessed with a voice four times deeper than a bullfrog's burp, White was the ultimate bedroom soul singer. He gave the world such sexy songs as Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe, and You're the First, the Last, My Everything. And apparently his last words were, Oh, baby, you're all my oxygen, baby. Get off my oxygen, baby, and take your panties off while you at it. Also hitting the pearly gates this week, Katherine Hepburn, one of the great ladies in the history of movies, died last Sunday at age 96. Her spikiness, her upper-class delivery, her ability to take roles in romantic comedies and make them not about will she get the guy, but will she get the guy and keep everything she stands for, made her a true role model, cliché as that sounds. Whatever her personal relationship with Spencer Tracy... And I'm sure Mrs. Tracy will have a less glowing take on it than the media has spun in the past week. Their film chemistry was as special as it gets. She held the screen toe-to-toe with Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, and Henry Fonda. But the creme de la creme was the African Queen, maybe the greatest odd couple love story ever put on film. Humphrey Bogart won an Oscar for playing the magnificently inebriated smuggler Charlie Allnut, and Hepburn was nominated for playing Rose, but lost out to Vivian Lee in A Streetcar Named Desire. Amazingly enough, The African Queen, which John Huston directed, wasn't even nominated for a Best Movie Oscar, but long after people have consigned Quo Vagus and A Place in the Sun to the oldies rack, they'll still snuggle up to The African Queen and follow it all the way down the Ulanga River. Kay Hepburn was a great actress, a great personality, a great boss. And the entertainment world also lost a diametrically opposite figure last week, Bucky Hackett. Where Hepburn was all grace and barbs and right angles, Hackett was squat, a pudge, a series of circles ending in a punchline. My first memories of Hackett were as the mechanic in Herbie the Love Bug, but also from a 45 RPM record my parents had of his Chinese wager routine. And, okay, in retrospect, it is offensive, because he does this thing of, you know, you take a one from Karam A and two from Karam B. What's the matter? You know, like soup? I give you soup. I don't bring us. It's, it was funny then, and now if, with our new consciousness, I guess we can see, see how it's offensive to Asians, much like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's was, or even right now they have that uh, controversy over the Charlie Chan films that, um, the, I forget, it's the Fox Network, or one of the networks, Fox Movie Channel is, is not continuing to run. But the point of Hackett's sketch was not just making fun of Chinese, but it was that universal antipathy of all waiters to annoying customers. In the sense, you know, that look the waiter gives you when you're paying him money, and yet he treats you like you're a guest in his personal little cabana. And also there's that fear of uh, what you know, the waiter thinks of us and the horrible way that we can be to waiters. So, you know, cut, cut Buddy a little slack on that. And, um... One thing about Buddy Hackett that was a paradox was after the early years of his climb where he was basically doing family material, in his later years he was really quite a dirty comedian in the Red Fox tradition and and the late night uh, tradition. But he had the clean image from doing the Disney movies, the Love Bug movies, the TV game shows, and the film version of The Music Man where he popularized the song Shipoopy. And in 1996, he was quoted as saying, compared to motion pictures, I'm very mild these days. Now, he was born Leonard Hacker in 1924, Brooklyn, New York, New Utrecht High School, 
And he uh, got the theater bug a little early. Directed a play while in high school, and he started working in the Borscht Belt during the summers. He served during World War II, and came back and caught the acting bug right again. So by the early 1950s, he was headlining all along the Catskill circuit, and then Broadway followed. In 1954, he starred in a hit farce by Sidney Kingsley called Lunatics and Lovers, and ran for a year, and what that showed was that Hackett could be funny within the context of a play, and not just as a joke teller. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but I also remember him doing a good job showing the serious side of Lou Costello in a TV bio of the Abbott and Costello comedy team. Oh, and kind of a, an odd side point. One thing I didn't know about Buddy Hackett is that when Curly Howard died in 1946, Hackett was asked by the other two Stooges to take his place. Hackett turned the offer down, preparing to develop his own comedy style, but it would have been interesting to see him playing off Moe and Larry. He probably would have been less like Shemp and more like a cross between Curly Joe Dorita and Joe Besser, the guy who played Stinky on the Abbott and Costello TV show. Anyway, back to Broadway for Hackett in 1964 with I Had a Ball, with a score by Jack Lawrence and Stan Freeman, and a book by Jerome Charteroff. Now, Lawrence wrote the liner notes to the CD release, just came out on Decca Records, and he says this about working with Buggy. Rehearsals with the entire cast went smoothly, except that Buggy Hackett was not a, communi- uh, a musical comedy person, and had difficulty with pitch and timing. Reluctantly, we had to drop two or three songs we had written for him, a duet he was supposed to do with Richard Kiley called Be a Phony, and a touching solo, Lament. I have to give Hackett credit, however, as Garside the Great, he was quite funny, that is, as long as he played the part as written. On the road, Hackett kept toying with the role, but he finally stuck to the script by the time it reached Broadway's Martin Beck Theater in 1964. And audiences had a good time with I Had a Ball, but critics blasted it. Hackett then started coming out after each show and blasted the critics. And then, when that started to work and he got the audience laughing again, he'd start doing bits of his solo act, while the other actors in their curtain call just were forced to stand around and watch him. It took a while, but audiences really did start to build for the musical, but just when they did, Hackett started arguing with the producers about vacation time. That led to an actual fist fight, leading to Hackett leaving the show, leading to the show closing in the red. But they finally re-released the original cast recording of this all but forgotten musical. Fiddler it ain't, but it has its moments, and the show opens with Hackett playing Garside the Great, a Coney Island carnival psychiatrist who meddles in the romantic lives of everyone else at the carny. The surprise for him is that soon he actually starts seeing things in his phony crystal ball, which makes him question not only the future, but his sanity, at which point he asks for a little help from a spiritual friend. Dr. Freud, Dr. Freud, Dr. Please don't be annoyed, but I really saw a vision, yes I did. Dr. Freud, Dr. Freud, with your teachings I have toyed, now I've got a funny feeling in my head. Does it mean that I'm regressing, or perhaps I'm retrogressing? Do I sound a nitty bitty idiotic? How can I dispel a vision when it isn't television? Does it mean I'm going stiffy or psychotic? So alright, so okay, I know just what you will say, that my psyche has been playing me a trick. 
My psyche, Dr. Freud, my schmikey, Dr. Freud, leave us face it, Dr. Freud, I'm sick. For after what occurred today, I'm not too sure about you, doctor, even though you are a name of great renown. In your teachings, Dr. Freud, my faith is practically destroyed, and I don't intend to take it lying down. Oh, you wrote dreams of explanations on all types of aberrations, not a word on supernatural hocus-pocus. Well, take a good look at my case, and hold the ball up to your face, and give those eyes of yours a big fat focus. Oh, it's lit up again. Uh-huh. So, I'm right, maybe? Who's the light, huh? Sigmund, baby? How do you explain a thing like that? After spending all my youth believing all you said was truth, now I find you're just a no-good lying rat. When in the jug your fuzzy mug was hanging up there on the wall, oh, I wouldn't think of hanging any others. But tomorrow I'll erase you, tomorrow I'll replace you, and I'll hang up Dr. Joyce Brothers. Who's afraid of Sigmund Freud, Sigmund Freud? You're a fraud, Freud. Yes, a fraud, Freud, but I'm not afraid, Freud. Not afraid, cause now I've been freed, Freud. Yes, freed, and I'm not even fried, Freud. You're a flip flop, and I'm not a flip flap. You're a flim flap, and I'm not from food fair. Dr. Freud, your diagnosis is absurd, and for you, I've got one final word. Buggy Hackett from the not-quite-classic musical I Had a Ball. One last Hackett recollection that ties in with my trip to L.A. Years ago, Hackett got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and he joked with reporters that when his career took off, he left Brooklyn to, quote, get away from the subways, and go figure, his star is directly over where the L.A. rail system runs. But it was that kind of schlemiel outlook, that very Jewish shrug of something good happened? Uh Uh-oh, what's the bad news? That viewpoint made him a fortune and made him more endearing than so many other comics of the era. So, I'll reverse the order of the good and bad outlook just this once. The bad news is Buggy Hackett died last week at age 78. The good news is we have him on film, we have him on CD, we have him in collective memory. I hope that wherever he is, he gets two from column A and as many as he wants from column B. And that's the news gone by for July 6, 2003. Please send your comments, opinions, and Freudian slips to Dave's Gone By, P.O. Box 62, Hewlett, New York, 11557-0062. That's the address for all snail mail to the program. Box 62, Hewlett, New York, 11557-0062, or email me at davesgoneby at aol.com. We reserve the right to read your letters and emails on the air, name withheld upon request. And, as, and folks, as I've been saying week after week, no matter what happens in the short term, Dave's Gone By is in it for the long haul. It's very possible we'll stay on GBB if they get the web stream back, but there are other radio stations interested in the show and the option of simply making it an internet-only program. Those decisions will be made pretty shortly after I get back from the West Coast, but in between times, when things are still in limbo, we still need your support. We need our fans to talk up the show and get and tell folks about it. Spread the word that Dave's Gone By is a show worth listening to. Not only can you save this show, you can help move it to the next level. So get yourself on the mailing list for updates about the show. Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. 
find out how you can be a sponsor or advertiser on segments of the show like The News Gone By, The World Weird Web, Dave's Gone Cultural, Dave Gets Trivial, and The Bad Pun of the Week, Frivolous Lawsuit Times, so many opportunities. Connect your business or service to our content and reach devoted listeners to this program on the radio and soon enough back on the web. So please be there for Dave's Gone By as we've been there for you. Drop me an email at davesgoneby at aol.com. Please, no acid foam. I'm allergic. Performing Arts Insider. Three words that represent a whole world of entertainment found on Broadway, Off-Broadway, Cabaret. Hundreds of productions to see and enjoy. But how can you keep them all straight? Performing Arts Insider. The guide to everything that's happening on the stages of New York. For six decades, Performing Arts Insider has been a bible of the industry. Each issue lists hundreds of shows, who wrote them, what they're about, who's in the cast, the designers, the producers, box office info, parental guides, reviews of what's good, what's bad, and why. Plus, listings for opera, dance, and awards, too. As the chief editor of Backstage put it, Performing Arts Insider puts all the facts at your fingertips. To subscribe or get a sample issue, call 516-295-1511 or go to www.totaltheater.com and click on Performing Arts Insider. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By. It's about 8.45 p.m. Time for a segment I call Dave Goes Off. Off on a tear, off on a rant, off on a particular pet peeve or peeved pet. As usual, tonight I've got my focus on media something to gripe about, and something I'm grateful about. First, this is something I've noticed pretty recently, and I'm calling it criminals in media. I don't understand, or I'm trying to understand, what the attraction is. I've noticed more and more people with criminal records for some rather serious offenses are the new celebrity columnists and writers for newspapers and magazines. Started, the real shock came a couple of years ago, when um, the theater critic for the New York Press, a guy named Jonathan Kalb, who I interviewed um, both for a place I used to work and here on this radio show, um, he was let go because they said his, uh, the writing was boring and theater was boring and whatever, and that they didn't want theater in, in the newspaper anymore. Well, a couple of weeks after they let him go, suddenly theater criticism started appearing again, reviews from London, and they were written by none other than Klaus von Bülow. Um, you know, I, and I guess he's allowed. And the shock of seeing his name and, and knowing that, you know, he certainly wasn't taking his wife to the theater with him was a little bizarre to see. But okay, I, I guess it's the New York press. They wanted to show how individual and weird they were. But then I noticed some other people coming out of the woodwork, literally, like Amy Fisher. Remember when she was just a little 16-year-old thing? She shot Mary Jo Bogafuco in the face? Well, now she is writing a weekly or bi-weekly column for the Island Ear, which is a revamped version of a Long Island music newspaper that's more trying to be like the Long Island Village Voice now, or New York Press. And, as if that weren't enough, already, guess who's back, not so much in the news, but back in the public eye, is Lizzie Groveman. Um, she backed over people coming out of a nightclub, and now sh- apparently she's going to be a celebrity gossip writer. I forget for, for what venue. Um, I hope it's not New York Magazine, but something like that. Is it now celebrity at any cost? Is, there, is it really that there's no such thing as bad press? You do something horrible, you pay your dues, and you get totally humiliated and 
toilet paper wiped by the media, but then a couple of years later, it's like the curiosity about you is such that you can get up there and have your name over something, and people will be like, oh, wow, she's a crazy killer. I wonder what she writes like. Anyway, once people do their time, they're cleared and free as the rest of us, but still. Now, second thing I wanted to, to mention was... Um, I'm very proud of Comedy Central for what they did the last couple of nights, where not once but twice they showed the full film South Park bigger, longer, and uncut. They showed it at 1 o'clock, both on Friday, late Friday morning you know, and Saturday mornings. And now, little problem with it. At 1 a.m., it's hard enough to stay awake, even with a hysterical and brilliant film like South Park. But they also fit so many commercials in it that they took an 88-minute film and stretched it to the full two hours, or so I assume, because I fell asleep each time before 2.30. Um, but I do want to say kudos to the advertisers who had the guts to put their ads in the movie, especially since it, it aired so late in the day, so the money can't be that big for them. I think Xbox and Infone were the two major advertisers on that. But having the guts to, to sponsor a movie uncut with a tremendous amount of hilariously foul language and incredibly disgusting imagery and aside from that, just heavy, heavy, wonderful, angry satire in it. And it also has this song. from the South Park movie Kyle's Mom's a Bitch. One of the songs that should have been uh, nominated for the Oscar other than Blame Canada, and the, I can't even say the title of the other song that should have been, but I, I think you know it. Anyway, thank you, Comedy Central, and thank you folks for listening to, for the rest of this show, which is another ten minutes to go, including the following very, very important commercial. It's so important that we're re-queuing it. Hi, folks. Dave Lefkowitz here from Dave's Gone By, and I want to tell you about a product, event, or service. I'm going to talk about it for half a minute or a minute. I'm going to make it really interesting, and all my listeners are going to go, hey, maybe I'll try this product, event, or service. It's called advertising or sponsorship, and it's easy, cost-effective, and just plain effective. To get your person, place, or thing, well, not thing, promoted on Dave's Gone By, and reach listeners all over Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island, and the Tri-State area, just give us a call at 516-295-1511 or email us at davesgoneby at aol.com. Check our website, hometown.aol.com forward slash davesgoneby, and see sponsorship opportunities, ad rates, and more. Again, the number, 516-295-1511. Insert your product, event, or service here. 
the Beach Boys, um, uh, having a little uh, CD trouble here. Um, that wasn't the song I was going to play of theirs either. And it, also, it's not the Beach Boys doing Call's Mom as, as a big fat bitch. No, here's the song we wanted to play. Beach Boys, oh yes, that was the song I was going to play. Um, I could have played their most famous California song, but this show is always about being a little different. So you heard a tune simply called California, penned by Al Hardeen back in 1973. Carl Wilson doing the production on that one. And Joe Salzone doing the production here for this episode of Dave's Gone By. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on your 7 o'clock show tonight. Everybody, go give a listen to Joe's show at 10 tonight because he's going to be talking with some guy named Friedman about something about Liberia. Sam Greenfield. Greenfield. 
Well, Greenfield, Friedman, you know, those people are all the same. Hopefully, this will not be our last collaboration at this radio station. And I want to thank some other people, too. Station Manager Jeff, big thank you to him. And a happy post-fourth to Auntie Esther for her fine barbecue. And the usual, muchas, muchas gracias to mi novia, Joyce, for all her love and support. And the ultra-usual thank you to you, the listeners, who make the show worth doing week after week. I know I said before that this program is kind of in limbo at GBB until we're sure that the audio stream is up and operational because I want to reach as many listeners as possible. But even if there's only a handful of people currently tuning in, hearing me on your car stereos or trying to hold the radio near the window just right for the best reception, every single one of you is important to the show. So please keep in touch with me via email, davesgoneby at AOL.com. I'm going to be working on the web page before I leave, so um, hopefully that'll be back up. But if it isn't, you can still get to hometown.aol.com forward slash davesgoneby2 for sponsorship information, ad information, how to buy cassettes, all that kind of cool stuff. Remember, I'll be gone next week. There might be a rerun here at this time. Maybe not, but I might be back the week after that. You just have to keep checking. And also check this radio station's new website, am1240wgbb.com. Also, before I go, I do have to say condolences to a friend of mine, Scott, and his wife, Tanya Rogolitz, and and his mother, Anna Rogolitz, for the loss of his sister, Eileen. Sorry about that. Anyway, here's the deal, kids. I may be on next week in rerun form. I may not. I could be back in two weeks, possibly on a different day or time or somewhere else entirely. I will be back, though, somewhere. If I'll find you if you'll find me. So, until then, don't miss your days going by. This is Dave Lefkowitz. Good night. Have a super Californialistic expialidocious week. And... Gone by.